When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. Well, Nick, it snowed a bit and the country's gone to ruin. Uh, anyway, uh, so it's a funny old game week this week uh, as we come at you with one game still to go, uh, but we've lots to talk about already as Salah delivers again whilst the defence falls flat. I'm joined today by Nick, but sadly not in person uh, due to the apocalyptic snow in London. <laughs> um, he's just gotten through the door, actually, uh, I believe, from work, haven't you? And come straight on to the pod. Uh, talk about devotion. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Tom. Unfortunately, I was victim of the beast from the east today and the London train got cancelled. It was a bit of a funny one because there was meant to be a huge snowstorm um, overnight. Of course, when I woke up, there was absolutely nothing there, but <laughs> the trains were still completely buggered. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Our reunions are put off for another week. But anyway, I guess it falls to me again to say who we are. We are who got the assist. You can find us and follow us at Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and online at who got the assist.com and make sure to like, subscribe and spread the word and love about us should you like what you hear. Uh, thanks, Nick. Uh, so this week, we, we're obviously, uh, you know, we've spoken about the blanks and the doubles to death. Uh, thanks to uh, Ben Krellin coming on last week and being such a star for that excellent podcast. Um, it'll be a bit shorter this week with us discussing two main topics, the bonus point system, uh, which came in for a fair bit of criticism this week in the community, and also the notion of FPL fatigue and how we deal with it before moving on to the features, uh, which includes a, a poem uh, on Alan Yom this week, doesn't it, Nick? <laughs> and uh, then we'll finally take your questions at the end. Yep, and thanks for the questions as always, guys. So um, anyway, Tom, how's your game week been so far? Because yeah. Manchester City still have to play on Thursday. They do, they do indeed, unless the uh, you know, the snowgasm uh, goes all over them too. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> but so far this week, it's been okay. I've got 52 points. I'm up 25k places to 150k-ish. You know, Ericsson and Kane at the death was uh, great news for me. I had the Dave saves... Uh, Firmino and Salah captain I was obviously happy with that given the fact that Kane who is my other option uh, didn't score anywhere near as many um, but Dunk losing the clean sheet and scoring an own goal uh, within the space of a seconds uh, meant that I lost six points in one fell swoop Emre Chan losing possession to to Antonio to lose Van Dyke, who came in for a minus fours clean sheet was very annoying and the Maris blank was obviously really irritating Butland had an excellent game but obviously he kept out my new my new man in uh, Mares, so the week didn't start off very well, and it's been a bit mere so far. But uh, it's, it feels like I'll kind of get away with it with a slight green because it looks like Sterling's going to play uh, on Thursday. Yeah, that's not too bad. But I guess you could have had it so much better. Um, I mean, for me, it was fifty one points so far with Sterling and KDB to play. Looks like it's going to be a green arrow. It was one of those strange game we literally like every team didn't get a clean sheet, so my defense was just a row of twos. Um, I guess Van Dyke. maybe I should have brought in Robertson instead of him. But, uh, what what can you do? Got some points from Ericsson, some points from Kane and Salah, but both those guys didn't get bonus points. So, uh, yeah, that's one of our discussions of the game week, isn't it, Tom? 
Yeah, it is. I mean, the, the system does kind of from time to time come under scrutiny, doesn't it, Nick? And uh, you know, we've had a, kind of a few discussions this week on on it and how to improve it. So Tom Campbell and Fantasy Football Tips, I spoke with both of them today. Uh, Varen asked about how the system could be improved. And this game week just gone has been a bit of controversy, as there always is, as I said, periodically, uh, with the BPS, with Butland getting all three uh, despite scoring an own goal. Tompkins getting all three. Um, he went off uh, before Harry Kane got the late winner and Salah got nothing, Kane as well. And it's perhaps more salient because Salah was so highly captained this week, uh, which left many lusting off what could have been perhaps. And I guess the first thing to note on the bonus points is that how they work is publicly available on the FPL site. Um, I've got the lists and the BPS system it's based on. How it works is that players get these kind of BPS points for opt to recorded actions. Had a look at the list and to summarise, in case you haven't looked already, there's four categories. Game time, attacking, defending and passing. Game time is like, you know, being on the pitch and that's fairly obvious. You get some for 160 and another for 60 plus. Passing is like pass completion over a certain threshold. Defence. Is CBI lumped, uh, kind of lumped into one, which is quite interesting. So that's uh, clearances, blocks, interceptions. Uh, you get something for recoveries and a, a big save and keeping a pen, uh, keeping a clean sheet are, are the huge ones. You get kind of uh, you get penalised for errors that lead to goal. And attacking wise, there's lots of different things here. Uh, you've got a winning goal, you've got assists, big big chance created, and then you've got kind of smaller ones. So you get open play, cross, a key pass, a successful dribble, which are the positives being offside and things like that are the negatives. Though a really prominent one that kind of stuck in my head immediately was uh, that players are penalised for shots off target, Nick, which is, I thought that was quite interesting. You get negative points um, for shots off target, but you don't get any positive uh, points for shots on target. So it may be that a player like Salah is looking very important to a game. He's having shots um, and the opposition keeper is saving them left, right and centre and he's kind of, you know, just missing a hit in the post or something. In that situation, you have to remember that according to the system, the keeper is getting points and Salah is not. As Tom Campbell said to us on Twitter, they aren't being rewarded for taking risks. Um, if he's providing chances, decent because you get points for um, key pass and you get points for big chances created. Um, but if the player is shooting lots but only scores kind of one or two, which which in most matches we take an indicator for offensive threat, so people saw Solari got on the goal and the assist and thought, well, why hasn't he got free bonus? The problem is that lots of those shots off target, or if he's missing kind of big chances, mean that by the letter of the law, um, they're being penalised for for attempting those chances. Uh, Solari's obviously averaging 0.9 bonus per game, so it's not too terrible. But I can see why people were upset this week. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I'm generally. In agreement with you there, Tom, I think the uh, system does have some flaws to it and uh, attacking players that are very creative do get punished quite a bit. Um, I think we saw it a lot, actually, with um, Richarlison. Yeah, what happened to that guy? But, I mean, he got punished heavily earlier on in the season, despite looking very impressive, you know, passing the eye test. Whenever you'd watch him on match of the day, he'd uh, take it round several defenders um, get into the box, have a number of chances, and then then just shoot just wide, and uh, he'd then get punished for um, a shot off target, and wouldn't get any sort of bonus points for his uh, creativity. One of the other harsh ones, I guess, is missing a big chance, which is which is minus three bonus points. So if you miss a big chance and you have your shot off target, you can potentially be punished very heavily. And we saw that happen with Harry Kane as well. At the weekend, he um, he missed a couple of big chances, which um, everyone was furious with him at the time, obviously. But he, he just got punished so heavily with a minus six for big chances missed, um, minus three as well for being tackled. So if a creative player gets tackled just at the end, they also can get punished. 
and uh, minus four for shots off target. So he was he was really heavily um, punished. We saw we've seen previously early in the season likes of um, Pascal Gross get three points despite being on the losing team. And as you mentioned with Butland, he let in an own goal but still managed to get three bonus points, which um, which just seems a little bit daft really. And uh, so I think um, yeah, I do think the Salah in particular. Uh, was very unlucky not to uh, to get in the bonus points, especially considering um, Oxlade managed to pick up one above him. Yeah, exactly. I think that Salah, that's a good segue onto kind of our uh, our suggested answer to this particular issue because we know it keeps rearing its head. I mean, Nick, you just referred to uh, Pascal Gross, um, who I think back in game week 13 got free bonus in the way he lost to Man United. But you just mentioned, uh, you know, Kane not getting bonus and Salah not getting bonus. And to actually look at the system, I looked right into that game. I looked into Salah's stats for that game and tried to work out exactly how he got 30 BPS. Just bear with me a second, guys. So he was on 30 BPS below Chan at 44, Firmino on 41, and Ox and Robbo, as you said, on 33. It takes a bit of piecing together, but Salah got six minutes for being on the pitch, 18 for scoring a goal, which takes him up to 24, nine for an assist, which takes up to 33, but he didn't complete enough passes by one which would have been 30 to get any BPS there. So he didn't get anything extra. So that's 33 positive. He also made one successful cross and created two chances, which were small chances, two for each of those smaller key passes and uh, one for a cross. So that's 36 points positive. Then we start to lose points. So he's he's lost three for missing a big chance, one further shot of target, takes it down to 32. Uh, he got tackled four times, which takes it down to 28. And then he scored the goal, won the match at the end, which took him to 31. Uh, yeah, I couldn't find that extra one. Uh, I couldn't find any record of him uh, fouling or being offside in that match. So, but you know, Lord Might only knows. Tackle, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Right. What was the point in all that? The point is that there's a really clear and obvious solution to this problem, which is to give us the data, show us the working. I can see the system sort of works from doing that bit. But I can also see, you know, as you said as well, it is a bit daft to the eye. If there is something like Butland or Gross, honestly, FPL do themselves no favours by not showing they're working at the end of the day. If they could just show up how um, everything could be joined up, then I think it would be a much better experience for everybody that they'd stop all the kind of discord which crops up every now and again. Makes sense. And I can understand a little bit why they don't want to give us the data because they want to, you know, they don't want everything to open. They want to have their own little secrets and formulas. And that's why we, we don't really understand <laughs> always how the price rises and the price falls happen even as much as you know people within the community try to aggregate and uh, calculate when a pro- player is going to rise and a player is going to fall it can be a little bit random at points yeah perhaps but I, I think they could just benefit from being so much more um transparent here uh, there's a couple of extra practical points as well for any proper nerds out there uh, being tackled loses you one point um but i didn't see anything about losing possession um as being a uh, a negative thing so i think renato sanchez passing to a billboard <laughs> maybe they should they should take that negative for shots off target and that kind of penalizing effect on tech players taking risks and uh, put that on to be, uh, losing possession. Uh, maybe they'll have to clarify if being tackled means losing possession. I'm not too sure. And the other thing is that CBI are all grouped into one. Um, so every two clearance blocks interception of a defender or the midfielder gets one. So you see defenders in, in lots of games all kind of grouped up together if, the, if they get that clean sheet as well. I think if they did remove those and made them into separate things, we might see players like Kante or players like, uh, you know, my beloved Darren Fletcher, who who played the ball-winning midfielder role, begin to actually have an impact in the game because they may be kind of getting, you know, the odd two or three bonus every game. So think about that. Like, you know, a player who guarantees you four or five points, that might be perfect for a 4.5 or a 5.0 buy. Any closing thoughts on bonus, Nick? I guess the, the closing thoughts are, you know, 
there's not going to be a model that everyone within the community falls in love with. There's always going to be someone who says, oh, defensive midfielders deserve more points or, um, you know, attacking players deserve more points, more uh, more involvement. There are obviously some issues with the process at the moment and maybe um, FPL will do a bonus points review over the summer. But it's, it's always quite interesting, I think, just to... Uh, not not knowing at the end of the day um, what's going to happen, especially like in the last few minutes, there's always a bit of an adjustment and that can add a little bit of excitement to the community as you see your captain go from three bonus points to one bonus point. It can add a little bit of flavour to, to the games. I think rather than everything being over-engineered. But, you know, um, I get I see what a lot of the people in the community are saying about the system, definitely. And, uh, yeah, I can understand why there's been a bit of a debate around it. Keeps us all active anyway. Yeah, exactly. We thrive off the uh, off the discussion, off the banter, and off the off the disagreements. So uh, let's move on to the next thing, which is FPL fatigue and combating it. So FPL version said managers are getting a bit stuck. How do we improve the situation? Don't say get differentials in. And I think that I've noticed that on Twitter and on FFS and other places that. It's gotten a bit quiet recently. Like I was on FFS the other day and I saw the last post was 10 minutes ago, which I think is kind of even that's unheard of outside uh, the dead zone and, and outside of summer. So, yeah, I think that maybe there's an element of kind of a drop off at the moment. And uh, yeah, I think it's just worth discussing um, that's happening at the moment and uh, maybe answering FPL version's question as well about how play how players can see themselves through it or maybe improve their situations. Uh, what do you think, Nick, on fatigue? I understand why there's a, a lot of fatigue at the moment, especially I think teams are generally converging. We we made very similar transfers this uh, game. We both brought in Ericsson and Virgil van Dijk. And, and with obviously the blanks coming up as well, we just had a couple of weeks off um, Premier League football. And to be honest, I don't think anyone was like really missing it last weekend. It was quite nice to have a, a little bit of a break, I guess. And with the likes of um, Salah, he's in, a, he's in all our teams He's, he's become almost an auto-captain pick. It's either Salah or Kane. Harry Kane is pretty much in all our teams as well. Roberto Firmino, he's joined that club. He seems to be in every active player's team now as well because he, he's been in good form. So Salah's now got 59.8% ownership. Firmino's 41.4%. Harry Kane, 46%. De Gea as well seems to be the auto-pick for most people in goal. No, I don't have him. 43.2%. And then there's like likes of um, Sterling as well, 32.8%. So it seems like each game week at the moment, there's this one key asset that seems to be the difference. If you own him, then you do well. If you don't own him, then you do averagely. I think the last few weeks we've seen Aguero owners um, had a lot of success, but if you didn't own Aguero, you basically scored the average or did poorly. This week, it seems to be if you, if you have Shakiri, you, you've got extra points above everyone else. And it seems to be, I'm, I'm getting that sort of vibe week in, week out. They're all getting a bit tired and the titles sewn up a little bit as well i think we're all looking forward to uh, game week 32 when people start to use those wild cards we can start um doing a bit more double game week planning as well and uh building that team for our, our bench boosts and our triple captains for those that still have them and, and the double game weeks and there's always a bit of it end of season excitement that comes with that as well so i think we just um there's a little bit of a low i guess um it wasn't most a particularly exciting um, week of football in general, to be honest. I can understand the fatigue element. In terms of combating it, I think it's just, you just just got to power through, really, haven't you? Uh, keep following the price rise, keep maintaining your team, making sure that your planning for the blank game weeks is uh, progressing well. And uh, yeah, I mean, you don't 
you know, find find some other activities to do if you if you're, <laughs> you're a bit too obsessed with FPL and you you know live it live and breathe it like we do. Maybe uh, what what's your film? I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Great advice. Uh, I, I think I agree with that, and um, it's definitely getting a bit of a slog now with the convergence that you mentioned. Um, but for the chips and for the promise of freedom, I think I'd, I'd die and maybe not uh, continue the season. But yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. Of course, I'd have pushed through. But I can see why people are fatigued for sure um, with the numbers that you've mentioned. But I think you just you just said you know power through, and I think you're right. Like, the advice here from me is pretty straightforward: play simple and uh, keep to a holding pattern. This answers FPL versions question as well because at the end of the day you won't remember your or right now at the end of the season or next year you'll remember your final one bear that in mind with any moves you're making as nick said you know there's a few players that most people do seem to own and i, th- I think there is even though it's very boring there's some element of playing with the crowd here to some extent and um, the goal is to try to think that long term take that long view think about that final or if men are being brought in by the more engaged managers like Shakiri are doing the business, uh, you might get caught out by overlooking that and you know, tinkering with you know, your Pritchards or whatever, even though obviously 0.1%, oh, he could. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that covering your flanks, basically, and uh, having that holding pattern and keeping your uh, keeping your OR as it is or you know, just getting in- incremental gains every week for getting the right players in and getting the right captain as far as you can. I think you know, Kane and Salah, we published a graphic this week. They are both fairly good picks each week. This week is going to be quite tough. But next week, you've got Kane away at Bournemouth, um, which is looking pretty good. And uh, yeah, uh, cover your flanks, holding pattern. Think of that final OR. And as Nick said, just power through. I think that's our advice there. Okay, Nick, let's take a break there and then move on to our features section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, Nick, and we're going to do our feature section now. The first thing to update you on is the anti-metas team, the poor old anti-metas team. So this is our team of players who aren't in the template or being spoken about in the wider meta at the moment. Uh, we try to keep them on 10% owned, and it's it's really showing at the moment. With no with no Salah and no uh, no Kane, that they're really falling flat. On 23 all out, uh, down to 1.8 million. It's pretty crazy if, when you think about how well they were doing. They were up to kind of... Uh, 200k at one point which i think you know we'll do a review of this end of the season we're not going to walk away from it we're going to keep going and just kind of end the experiment we're out to wild card soon of course uh, but we're really interested in to kind of chart their rise and fall in or and trying to explain why because i think that that the flip side of that will be that we can see kind of how the template meta team rose and what what that was and then maybe from that be able to uh, extrapolate some sort of story um of, of how the season has gone i find that quite uh nerdily exciting to do moving on so there's no uh no alan yom uh this week unfortunately which is why west brom have been losing so much of course so there's no yom watch but what we did receive this week nick was an ode to alan yom isn't that right yeah we did and uh one of our um one of our listeners, a um, dash RN, he's uh, he sent us uh, a poem, and I'm I'm wondering if it's actually from Alan because of the uh, the wording. I'm like, mm, is this actually from Alan? Has he has he <laughs> sort of sent us a poem under yeah. a pseudonym? I don't know. It's a bit of a bit of an unusual one, but um, yeah, um, this is uh, this week's poetry corner. So uh, thanks for the submission, a dash RN slash Alan. <laughs> Hashtag Nyomwatch. Why do they give me such grief? That's what I get from those who got the assist roast beef. If I go shopping, run out or get picked, they're watching. I tell you right now, it's time to cut all this mocking. So here are the stats that will stop them taking the piss. This season alone, I've already notched up one assist. (laughs) Four clean sheets and even created one great chance. Surely that's enough to make them change their stance. 
It's not my fault that my price seems and put high. Just pick me. I may not be a bargain, but I am a great buy. Hashtag non-watch. <laughs> Thanks for that, Nick. Thanks. That was um. I, I just let me stress that, that was not written by either of us. It was sent in by a real listener, <laughs> and uh, I, I read it and was in stitches on the bus on the way here. And uh, just just hearing you read that, out, uh, br- absolutely brilliant. All right, uh, let's move on. So let's move on to the market forces. Uh, this is our section where we use FPL data um, to describe some of the key trends in the FPL economy to give you guys insight into who the key movers and shakers are. Uh, Nick, you've been having a look at this, haven't you? What have you been noticing? So, yeah, topping the uh, charts yet again on the market forces is Ben Davis, believe it or not. He's had over 40,000 transfers in. And, uh, yeah, I guess uh, Spurs were the only team that got a clean sheet this weekend. And Davis picked up the full free bonus points as well. So he's been doing really well at the moment. He seems to have nailed down that starting berth ahead of Danny Rose as well. He was also uh, looking quite dangerous in the game. He... uh, was close to assist a couple of times, created some dangerous uh, chances for Harry Kane and also had a, a close effort saved by Hennessy. And uh, with Huddersfield up next, he uh, he looks like an interesting prospect as well. And uh, I probably should have brought him in this week instead of uh, Virgil van Dijk. I really felt like I was I was, I was cheating on you, Ben, when uh, when I got Virgil in. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've been the only one I really want. Maybe I should uh, sell Phil Jones and uh, bring him in because uh, Phil Jones is also... Um, Falling in um, value, he's uh, had o- over forty thousand transfers out, and a price fall as well because uh, because of his injury. And yeah, he injured Phil, uh, not doing too well at the moment. So a lot of people look like they're doing that uh, straight swap from uh, Jones to to Davis. Yeah, certainly. It's incredible how uh, Van Dijk has fallen from people's estimation so quickly. Um, with Newcastle up next, um, and no blank in thirty one, but he's not appearing in the uh, in the top twenty, is he, Nick? So. Yeah, pretty pretty crazy that. And this is, the, am I right in thinking this is the second season where you've had Phil Jones and you've been holding him for injury when he's got zeros? Yeah, I had him a little bit um, last season as well. So I was a bit late for um, to the Jones wagon earlier on in the season because I was like, no, he's going to get injured at some point. There's <laughs> yeah. no point in bringing this guy in because he's going to get injured. But the idea was to bring in um, Jones as my sort of De Gea cover. And uh, it hasn't really worked out. There hasn't really been any other Manchester United defenders that have been nailed on, apart from maybe um, Valencia, but he's been very expensive as well. So uh, Jones, yeah, a lot of people now are saying goodbye to him because of the injury and uh, and bringing in the likes of uh, Davis or even perhaps uh, Robertson as well, who's also increasing in, in value. He's at over 25,000 transfers in. He's only 4.8. And he was um, another creative outlet Another creative fullback, um, picking up lots of bonus points and uh, getting an assist as well. So, uh, yeah, obviously, um, lots of people looking at Robertson with uh, the Liverpool um, game, game week thirty one, and uh, he, he seems to be attracting more attention than, than Van Dijk, who was sort of the the pick of the week before the weekend activity, and now it's all about Robertson and Emre Chan as well, also appearing on the <laughs> on the market forces over thirty thousand people bringing in uh, Chan. I guess it's uh, because of his price he's only 4.9 so he's, he's perhaps um, a decent pick and I guess I guess we'd be looking at him a little bit more if um, if you could have four Liverpool players actually to be honest yeah exactly I, I, I can't believe that at this time of year you see things like this like these kind of outsiders start to come into the into the NTIs don't they Nick and there's a couple more. Willian, who has Man City next and then the blank uh, in 31 uh, being bought by 35,000 a lot of people selling uh, Sterling, I think, right? And also yeah. Shakiri coming in as well, I've noticed too. 
Yeah, Williams a bit of a strange one. I think he's, he scored a goal, um, which has brought him back into the picture, and he's only 6.8. But I think it's, I don't really understand why there's so much activity for him. He hasn't been getting a lot of minutes. He didn't play, um, I think he only played about 10 minutes the game week before. And um, Chelsea actually have Manchester City up next, then Palace, then a blank, then Spurs. Okay, so yeah. it doesn't really seem like the, the time to, uh, to be investing in uh, Chelsea at the moment. No, no. And but Shakiri, you can kind of understand, can't you? Three and three, uh, 35,000 transfer, transfers in and no doubt up for a, a price rise. And uh, who are they selling, Nick? I kind of mentioned him a second ago, but you might as well finish it off with him. Yeah, Sterling's being sold. Um, Hummin Son also being sold. He didn't start. Um, Sterling's had over 50,000 um, transfers out, net transfers out. And Son's had over 18,000. Walcott also attracting a few sales. He's had over 18,000 transfers out, which is quite interesting considering Everton's got some decent fixtures. So if you're doing Walcott to William, maybe you're not really planning too much in terms of the looking at the fixtures and who's playing 31. But kind of Walcott hasn't um, scored in a few game weeks since his um, blistering starts for Everton. So people obviously already losing patience in him. Yeah, I can understand that completely. All right, cheers, Nick. Thanks very much. Let's take a break there, and then we'll move on to the intersection. section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and um, it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist mini league. And there's some there's some more new faces actually in there, Tom. It's it's looking a little bit different. We've still got Damitane. He's still top of the league, of course, with 1,840 points in total. He's uh, only scored 47 so far this game week, but he does have Sterling and Aguero still to play. And Aspilicueta coming off the bench for a point. He's um, overall ranked eighth, so doing really well. But on his tail is Jamal Rice, um, a new entry from last week. Team name, he got 51 points so far this game week. Um, he's on 1,831. He's still got Otamendi to play as well. And uh, he's 13th in the world, so he's doing really well. And then just rounding up the top five, we've got some new people, as I mentioned. Heroes and villains, Simon Rutherford, 52 points. He's on 1,814 points. He, I think he's new to the league. We've also got Georgie Bosinov. And um, I don't know how to say this, but it's... Uh, Gerto, yeah. Um, Gerto, his 71 points he got this game week. Uh, brilliant. He had Shakiri, Captain Salah, Mane, Firmino, yeah, Davinson Sanchez randomly um, wow. on an eight pointer. And then uh, rounding up the top five is uh, D Boy, D Boy United, 59 points. Um, he's on 1,762. So he's right on uh, Georgie's tail, as is Andrew Ferguson, who's uh, dropped out of the top five, but only, only by five points. Cool. Thanks very much, Nick. Let's move on to just a couple of shout outs. The first one this week is to the hype train. Uh, we're guesting on their forecasting article this week, uh, which gives our predictions against the guys out there on, the, on a load of factors, including picking a team for the week, uh, which should be really cool. Um, give them a follow at Real Hype Train. Uh, we also have a shout out to at FPL Academica. Uh, we spoke about them a couple of weeks ago. They consist of uh, JJ, Noob, Cadet and uh, Gaffer on Twitter. They've got some new guest writers, including our friend FPL Guidance, who was on the week just gone. And uh, they say their DMs are open if anyone wants to contribute articles or graphics or anything of the like. Uh, check them out uh, at FPL Academica. They do a lot of good articles there. Okay, uh, let's move on to the questions. We only had a few this week because I put the question thread up as I was uh, leaving work. And um, yeah, we only had time to really take those before we kind of got on the pod. So the first question this week is about uh, from defence to offence, Nick. FPL Classico asks, with so few clean sheets lately and a very small point gap between 7th and 19th in the league, are all those weaker teams focusing on winning the matches, leaving gaps at the back? 
in short, should we be moving money uh, from the defence to the midfield and forward positions uh, just because clean sheets, as you said at the, at the start of the pod, Nick, are so hard to come by? Yeah, I guess it is a case of at the moment it's from defence to offence. At the beginning of the season, obviously, I was raving about the defence and putting some money in there, but we haven't seen as many clean sheets recently. Uh, I mean, there's still a few uh, prized defence Defensive assets that are still worth a little bit of money, um, likes of Robertson, so likes of Liverpool defenders, Spurs defenders like Davis, um, still proving their worth. But um, we've seen quite a few tough games for the top teams. Manchester City also playing Chelsea again. So the likes of Alonso have left our teams. People have been selling the likes of Otamendi quite a bit as well. And um, investing more in the midfield, the likes of... Um, Ericsson making cases um, for being in our teams and also those premium strikers that have been doing really well, um, like sort of, you know, Eric Fording Aguero, Fording Kane, even if you're thinking about someone like Obama Yang as well, potentially as a, a differential, there's at least not much money for the defence and leaves you with the likes of, and we've got some funny people, haven't we? We've got other likes of Sanka and Simpson, you've got <laughs> Chilwell, we've both got John Joe Kenny still lurking around, you've got uh, perennial own goal scorer dunk as well so yeah I think it has been a case that we've disinvested a fair bit in the defence and, and we haven't really been punished for it either with um, not too many defenders um, scoring scoring holes yeah definitely I think you're right um, it's been a, another kind of awful week for clean sheets this is the second the second week in the last three where there's, there's only been uh, there are only two Watford at home to uh, Everton and Palace so far Watford, yeah. um, Back in game week 26, there was only one uh, Man United uh, keeping out Huddersfield, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've had a terrible defence for a little while. <laughs> you mentioned a few of the rogues that are currently uh, in situ down there. And I, I think at the moment, due to, due to just the fact that midfielders are so bountiful, um, you know, I've got Ericsson, Mares, Sterling and Salah as my four midfielders. I, I quite like quite like that as a response to how things are looking at the moment. And I think right now that there's little value in defence because we're not seeing, um, you know, a Burnley character of a, a, a cheap player, you know, 4.5 to 5.0 who we can just kind of stick in there and leave. Um, it would be nice to kind of have that in the future. And of course, many of us are wildcarding as well. And so we're able to have these kind of weird wonky squads and ride that out until the end. Uh, speaking of riding it out, that's a really bad segue, wasn't it? Um, the, the next question is, is all about being kind of scared of Man City. Um, so Joe Prenter got in touch to say he sold uh, Sterling for Mares and asks, is it too risky to leave it with our City cover uh, or can he ride it out until the wild card in 32, which is his plan? I've got, only got Sterling and I think I'm going to keep hold of him uh, for the time being. It looks like he's going to be fit. Um, hopefully he's going to be fit. Um, and if you're listening to this in the future and he wasn't fit, I, I'm sorry. Um, and I'll be very sad too because I'll get two-point Chupo mistake off the bench. Um, but I think I'll be keeping hold of Sterling at least until get a, a wild card and then maybe beyond as well. Just because City can spank anyone on their day and having at least one of them is probably what I'd like to have, um, having a finger in that kind of particular pie. But Joe, I'm not. I, I just don't know whether you should be you know, that worried. Um, the, the fixtures aren't that great, and as I've as we've kind of mentioned, there are a lot of options out there um, who could outscore or, or at least match um, the city guys. So uh, it is possible, I think, to ride it out until 32. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, well, I mean, I've still got um, Kevin De Bruyne, and I've got also got Sterling. Aguero's been that sort of chap that's really. Um, 
screwed me over the last few weeks despite having those guys but um with gabriel jesus being back and fixture congestion as well with um, man city still in the champions league um we're likely to perhaps see a bit more rotation in, in some of those key men and maybe aguero will get rest in the league potentially at some point and uh yeah i mean i think you can get away without Manchester City. Though it is worth mentioning that last time they've got Chelsea up next, so that's a, a quite a tricky fixture. But the way City have been playing, I still would fancy them for the win. And then after that, it's Stoke away. And it's worth mentioning that um, Stoke were the team they beat at home 7-2 earlier in the season and uh, just absolutely hammered them. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in that game, um, if a lot of people have sold City players, they get punished a little bit. Um, if um, City can smash Stoke again, they, Stoke don't look any better than they were early in the season. They just look, they look just as poor. I think they've had one of the poorest defences in the entire season. Um, but yeah, I think uh, City uh, could do really well in that Stoke game, but there might be a bit of rotation with Pep's squad um, starting to filter in a little bit. And then they've got the blank in 31 as well. So I can understand why people are, are disinvesting a little bit in City and looking at a few other teams. But uh, I still think that it is slightly dangerous to go um, without any City players at all. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think this is kind of a clear link to our next question. Uh, Ian Wilson asks about Kevin De Bye-bye. Uh, he asks, is it worth selling uh, Kevin De Bruyne uh, for Mahrez or Eriksson uh, in what he describes as a classic form versus fixtures question? And uh, as a KDB owner, Nick, uh, I think your best place to answer this, what are you planning to do with him? I'm keeping him actually for another couple of game weeks. I'm I'm going to sell him before the blank um, to free up some cash. But at the moment, I've got I've got no reason to to sell him. I, I think he's been doing very well for me since I brought him in. Not like earlier on in the first three game weeks of the season, we both owned him and he did nothing. In the last um, in the last few, he's he's done really well. He got 14 points for me against West Brom at home with a goal and assist, and then he got a hat trick of assists in the Leicester game as well, uh, where Man City beat Leicester five one. And uh, he's actually um, he's overtaken Sterling as well in terms of overall points. He's just been doing. Uh, really well so he's the second highest mid, uh, scoring midfielder in the game after Mo Salah he's just one of those players that people that never really have on their radar and he's just been you know he always does this secretly accruing lots of points getting lots of bonus points for those creative um, chances he sets his teammates up and he's just a he's just a really good player so um, yeah I'm, I'm sticking with it I've got no reason to set him I don't think there's anyone in particular I want to bring in for him you you know, mentioned Mares, but I still think um, I still think KDB offers a little bit more for me than Mares, and uh, I don't need the money at this moment in time. Hazard, um, I'm not touching, and I've got um, Sterling, Eriksson, and Salah all in my team. The top four scoring midfielders actually currently in my uh, team at the moment. So uh, hopefully those guys will do do me well in the next uh, couple of game weeks before I inevitably get rid of them all in my wild card, which. <laughs> Yeah, just just got absolutely crazy. Okay, uh, the final question this week is from uh, Neil Gupta, um, who asks, is it best to get Lukaku or Aubameyang on your wildcard? They're quite an interesting one, obviously, because Lukaku finally scored uh, against a uh, against a, a parable team, shall we say, to Manchester United. Uh, which one would you go for, Nick, if you, if you had to make a choice? I guess assuming you're going to keep Kane and maybe Firmino, um, but which one would you go for? It's a, it's a tough question. I mean, Aubameyang, Arsenal do have some really good fixtures um, coming up and they've got quite a good, uh, a really good run, actually, um, up until the end of the season. If I wild carded in 32, they'd have Stoke, Southampton, Newcastle, West Ham, United, then Burnley and Huddersfield. That's a really good run of the fixtures. But then he hasn't he hasn't really um, set the world alight yet since he's um, 
since he joined Arsenal. So uh, he's still kind of a, a very much a wait and see. But I'm, I'm just not, I need to be convinced before I transfer him in and, and bring him in on my wild card. I, I need to see something, I think, first. Uh, Lukaku, he's been one of those players, hasn't been. He's kind of been outshone a little bit by um, Harry Kane and Sergio Aguero this season. I mean, they do have good fixtures as well, United. Um, starting 32, they got Swansea at home. Got a couple of good fixtures against West Brom, Bournemouth, Brighton and Watford as well, but an Arsenal City are tougher games, but I'm not sure if I want to really spend all my money on him either, to be honest. I don't know. So not, at the moment, neither of them are, are making my wild card team to play alongside Kane. Someone, someone will be in there, but it might be that I, I go big in midfield instead and then, like you said, have someone like Firmino stick around, probably leaning towards Aubameyang out the two at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I mean, if you just look at Lukaku, this is his third double-figure return this season. In contrast, Harry Kane's uh, already had eight, which is 30% of, of his appearances. And I think he's kind of shown up by Aguero as well in that regard, as you detailed. Five uh, double-figure returns this season so far. So you can see uh, for, the, for, the, for the money, uh, for the price tag Lukaku, um, versus the price tag Aguero, like they both start, they both uh, start at eleven point five, but you can see they're kind of diverging for, uh, fortunes now. Uh, for me, I think it's Aubameyang. Um, I'm really, you know, obviously a bit annoyed about the weekend, which I'm glad didn't really come up today. But I, I think that we do tend to do pretty well if there's no pressure, incredibly, because we've got quite good footballers compared to play, uh, teams who are below us, um, and uh, we've also have quite a decent double game week in 34 in Leicester and Newcastle away. Not great, but but decent enough. And Aubameyang, um, you know, we looked at the stats for the pr- prospects and the prospects. He scored 101 goals, I think it is now from. Uh, since the beginning of the 2015-16 season, um, did have a higher goals per game ratio than Harry Kane. It's just the case of him, um, you know, finding his finding his feet. And I think that the ideal run of fixtures and the fact he's not playing in the Europa League, meaning he'll completely focus on the league and just focus on kind of learning the league and getting better, could mean that in some of the easier games, especially if the other team are on the beach. Um, I mean, I'm eyeing the home fixtures: uh, Stoke, Southampton, West Ham, and Burnley. If the home team's on the beach, then then we might see you know a random hat trick here or there, just as or kind of Aubameyang goes crazy in the final you know twenty twenty minutes. It looks like it'll be nailed as well for the Premier League, and um, Lacazette is also injured. So yeah, for me, Aubameyang, and I'll be kind of putting my sanity on the line again by investing in Arsenal players um, pretty soon. But but hey, uh, let's move on to the end then, Nick. Um, so talk captain choices and changes. No changes this week for me. I'm going to leave it now. It looks like Sterling's okay. If Sterling isn't okay, then I will change my mind, obviously, and probably just bring in Shakiri in line with my advice earlier. I'm probably going to be captaining Salah. And I think that is just because of the data that I pulled out earlier on this week, uh, which just showed how Salah is a sure thing. He's got the the higher floor to Kane's higher ceiling. And um, yeah, you know, you're guaranteeing eight points at least per game. Playing Newcastle, who just conceded two away at Bournemouth. Kane's at home to Huddersfield, but I just feel like Salah, he's a sure thing. And I, I just feel like he's, you know, the, the ownership stats are so high at the moment as well. Um, and his form is so out of this world that I'd just be crazy to not to not to not do it. What do you think, Nick? 
Yeah, that's fair enough. I think, yeah, for me, I'm not making any transfers either, um, any planned transfers at least. There might be some enforced ones. Maybe I'll I'll do the Jones to Babers move. I, I don't know at the moment. Yeah, I, I think I'm actually leaning towards a Harry Kane captaincy. Uh, just, I'm just fancying him to, to sort of smash Huddersfield at home. It could be a potential game where he, he scores one of those hat-tricks and he likes to put up the bag every so often. But yeah, I'm captain of Kane. Hopefully it's a case of uh, right thoughts, right words, right action. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Cool. Um, so there's a theme to every pod. Uh, last time with Ben, it was the National. Uh, well done to the many who got that. And we'll definitely revisit that because that is my favourite band and probably one of Nick's favourite bands. And it was Ben's favourite band, so we thought it was worth doing. And it will definitely uh, come back to that. But John T was uh, the fastest out of the blocks with that, so well done to him. Yeah, yeah, well done, John T. And uh, just to reiterate, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us at whogottheassist.com on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Cool. Uh, our lead code is 15381740. We'll be back after next weekend's game. Thanks very much, guys. We hope this assisted you. Cheers. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.